Okay, we're recording now. Hi, this is Kesir. Welcome to a new episode of the African Developers Podcast. My guest today is Timmy Ajiboye. Timmy is a Nigerian software engineer, but more importantly, he is the founder, CEO, and CTO of Bycoins Africa, which is a cryptocurrency exchange platform for the continent. Timmy, welcome to the show. Hi, lovely to be here. I think anybody who's been following the Nigerian tech ecosystem for the for the past few years has probably heard of you. But for those who haven't, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, like you said, uh, my name is Timmy Ajibwe, and I currently run Bycoins, which is a cryptocurrency exchange and wallet for the continent. Basically, I'm someone who likes to make things. I think um, that is probably the most important takeaway from trying to describe me. I'm, I'm just someone who likes to make things. And it just so happens that most of the things I make work on computers. So I'm curious, what's your, what's your origin story? Where did it all begin for you? Where did I get my powers? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I guess it started a long time ago when I was 10. Um, I was fortunate enough to have an uncle who, um, while figuring it out for himself, um, he was a doctor and he was, I don't know, kind of got obsessed with the idea of a paperless hospital. So he kind of carefully introduced me to Visual Basic, and since then I've been someone who knew what a variable is, and yeah, that kind of I guess made it easier for me to learn when I decided I wanted to because it didn't seem like something that was beyond me. Um, but yeah, um, my actual career started in my second year of uni when I realized that school wasn't for me. <laughs> Sorry, the education system in Nigeria specifically wasn't for me. And yeah, I, I just did everything I could to get jobs um, and learn. And that was um, maybe eight years ago. Well, so, so when you said the Nigerian educational system wasn't for you, you meant you quit university? Eventually I did. Um, I, was, I was working and schooling, bailing at school. And then after a while, I mean, with uni, there's always opportunities to kind of go back. So I kept going back. But after a while, I was just like, you know what, peace, I'm not, I'm done. Um, yeah. And was that motivated by the fact that you were already making money? So you, you sort of, you were a bit secure on that side? Um, actually, I was already mentally checked out. I think the thing that was, mo the thing that was motivated by being financially secure was telling my parents that I'm not, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't something that's happening, right? But, um. I did, I, I, I was relatively comfortable enough to, um, and I was living that way to not have any um, financial, uh, I guess, income that, ha that had anything to do with parents, for example. So uh, I, I think that that can give, that can give some confidence. Um, yeah. Yeah. With, with the talking to African parents. <laughs> exactly. I was, I was about to ask, like, how did they take it? What, what was the conversation like? Um, so, I mean, the final conversation was kind of fine, but that kind of erases the fact that it's been, it had been an eight year fight. It had been the biggest cloud following my life and just the, the, you know, just this elephant in the room. And yeah, but you know, towards the end of it, I think they both eventually realized that my, my way is different and it wasn't really a question or like a, it was just, it was heads up. Hey guys, I'm not doing this anymore. No one can make me um, do it. So what's up, how's, <laughs> yeah. 
how's life going? Yeah. So, so today you are you're sort of one of the most successful Nigerian software engineers. What message would you have for anyone who is in university right now and is in the same situation that you were in? Like, what would you tell them to look out for? And what advice in general would you give them? I guess the important thing is to be to be sharp, right? Um, people kind of expect some dramatic, you know, or just leave school and you don't think about food. Um, you need to think about what works best for your own specific context. And if you're sure that you can't leave school without losing the ability to feed, then maybe stay and um and not stay and, and try and because it really depends on where you are mentally like for me for a long time i was done I, I this place didn't hold anything for me i wasn't learning anything and i didn't give a shit about a degree so it really depends on where the person is mentally if you if you are actually done with school then you should probably be spending your time um increasing your value right learning and becoming someone who can fend for his or herself in the nearest possible future and then as we all know, our parents can be very difficult, um, some in different ways than others. Um, but it's always nice to be able to have the conversation when you say something like, oh, I have an apartment and I'm moving out and I'm done with school. And yeah, so the, the most important thing is if you're done with school and you think that something is an, a good alternative, then you should make that thing maybe not your final form, right? But you should prove you should prove to yourself because you need that. You need that you need that confidence for yourself and for everyone else that this is an actual viable alternative this is something I'm, I'm now good at and people are paying me to do right um, it doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily have to be rich yet but you just need to be able to prove to yourself and i guess your parents if, if their opinion is important to you that this can work and and then you can do whatever you like because at the end of the day we're all adults um and you are responsible for yourself so you need to make that decision for yourself and you need to know you need to do it in a smart way basically cool so how did you get your first job um i had a friend who had an older brother who i just knew did some writing for people i did he just seemed to know older people right and i just i sent a text to, i sent a text to a bunch of people and i was like i need work i would do anything i just need to work yeah, and he, he sent me a text back saying that he's, because um, he's kind of like me in the sense that he, I don't think he eventually graduated either. Um, and yeah, we're like the older sibling who was rebellious. So I think he would, he just understood immediately, like, okay, this boy is at that point where he's realizing that um, just feeling without, <laughs> without figuring out, you know, what's next isn't a good idea. Um, yeah, so he eventually said that um, there's a Nigerian musician at the time who wanted to run an uh, an online magazine. And he felt like they would be able to find a role, a tech support role for someone like me, um, because I was I, I would have to be shuttling back and forth between school and that. So that was kind of my first paid job. Nice, so it didn't involve any programming at all? Um, I, not initially. Um, it was just to do all the technical things that people were not interested in, so from, things like domain names to understanding what the actual developers at the time were saying to just like software solutions and tools. It was just my responsibility, it's IT, to be honest. Um, but at the same time, they were kind of having, because the vision we had, or I guess they had for what the magazine should be in terms of how it looks and feels um, was something that 
it was proving difficult for them to get external contractors to build. And at the same time, my I guess my PHP and custom WordPress theme skills were um, improving. And I was just like, you know, guys, you pay me extra, me and my boy will do this thing for you. You're paying these guys hundreds of thousands of naira. Just give us the 150k, we'll sort this thing. And we did. And yeah. Which which job or which project would you say sort of confirmed to you that you had become a software engineer? Okay. Um. Yeah. So it was a personal it was a personal endeavor. Um. Hmm, that's a good question. I, I think. Um, there, there, there are things I've always kind of tried to do. Um, I've always had many projects. There was, um, there was a project back in, there was a thing back in uni where, you know, my friends used to make funny videos, and like host them and, you know, used to get like a few thousand views and whatever. And the websites with, on which they were hosted and our blog posts and all of that was built by this, um, with this web making platform called webs. It was kind of like a really old Squarespace back in the day. Uh, yeah, we, we I did that, so I, I had some confidence with oh I can make something, and then subsequently I was trying to figure out like a education learning management system for um, the architecture department. I had a bunch of friends who were in Archi, and a lot of the things they did in terms of sharing resources just felt inefficient. And in the process of trying to do that with WordPress, because WordPress has this interesting multi-site functionality, and trying to avoid writing code, I became really good at writing code for WordPress. And um, the final thing that made me realize, oh, I can actually probably build anything I set my mind to was, I had this, um, I didn't know the word startup then, but it was my business. And me and my um, friend, really close friend till now, we helped essentially people buy anything from any store in the US and have it shipped to your doorstep. And we wanted to automate that process. And um, it was how I met um, Okwe, he works at Paystack. And I kind of was just looking for someone who could do really great design and markup on the internet. And I found him and I think we paid him 60K or something where all the money that we had made. <laughs> so he gave me the HTML and CSS files and I just based off of the of PHP knowledge I had a long time ago and I built a site that worked. And we accepted payments with the first version of Paystack before we had invoices and received payments transfers into a bank account and it was all manual, but it worked. Uh, I remember not having any functions or uh, naming variables, weird things like P and another one would be PP and another one would be PPP and like weird, ugly code. There was, there was no routing. There was no, I didn't even know what frameworks were. In fact, funny story um, is how I did database relationships. Um, I didn't realize it was a thing that you could do with a foreign key. So I kind of, uh, I had orders and items, and I kind of concatenated um, to do which item which item belonged to an order. I created another column, and I was writing O one, and then <laughs> and then doing a lookup to see the key and splitting it to five. It was it was very weird, but at least I knew that this was something that didn't exist before, and I I figured it out. So I I knew that I could figure out the um, WordPress theme. Uh, yeah, and like I said, the thing that really helped me is just having always understood code. For as long as I remember, I it's very difficult to explain to people what code is, like what it does. And the first place you start from is a variable, right? And then a loop. And I think I've understood those concepts since I was 10. So I didn't realize how difficult the rest was. I thought it was, oh yeah, more of this. <laughs> so there was there's some confidence there. Yeah. Right. But but you still haven't told me like at what point do you feel like you became proficient? Because even this, it feels like you were still like trying your hands on things. Oh, that took a while. Um, and it it took a while. 
I think it was for me. I, I kind of quickly figured out the quality level I wanted to be at. Um, I, I wasn't comparing myself to, I guess, my immediate environment. So, I think when I realized, and this was this was a while into my career, I, I joined Gigster. Um, I don't know if you Gigster is this platform that, for freelancers, and yeah, I I, I joined Gigster and. You know, there's, there's people from all over the world, people who work at Netflix, people who work at Google, a bunch of people all over the world. And we're all on this Kickstarter and we're all getting jobs and we're working together and I'm talking to these people. And they don't, there was no sign that there's there's something missing in my knowledge. You understand? So it was like, oh, wow, we're peers. Um, okay, give me the dollars. Like it was at that point I realized I am just not, I am a developer, I am a, I guess you can use the word world class. I, I am a developer anywhere in the world. There's nowhere in the world you can drop being at because I'm not a developer. And it did help that my <laughs> that my first job on Gigstar paid sixteen thousand five hundred dollars. Uh, so yeah, I started kind of show I started kind of show that for Nigerians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. That's and what was the project? It never finished. Um it was supposed to it was really weird. What was the scope? We never finished it. It was something it was something on video streaming kind of like Twitch, but for something else. Uh, I, I'm not even aware as to how much I can say. I need to go check. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty complex. But it never, it never finished the issues with the team itself. So let's talk about your startup, uh, buycoins.africa. Uh, what is it? Yeah, it's the, it's the easiest way for people to buy and sell uh, digital currencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it is. Uh, I just right now it's current form. Um, prior to I guess Bitcoin's existing, I felt like it was it was too difficult, or too slow and too insecure, and not seamless enough. If someone in Nigeria wanted to participate in this new economy that was um, slowly gaining momentum, and decided to do something about it. And uh, what would you say is your main differentiator from the competition, aside the fact that it's easier for Africans? Like, if I compared you to uh, Coinbase or Paxful and the rest, like, what's your main advantage? Um, so I guess um, fundamentally, at its core, the the advantages that I'm building for a specific um, kind of people, and being part of that. Um, tribe and culture and and this is not to diminish how bearing it, it can be but i think that's that's the at least okay right now we're launched in just nigeria and um, from next day we'll be launching in other countries hopefully ghana first um and um but right now i think the, the fundamental difference is that we're building for nigerians and that shows up in a lot of ways in terms of um building just the thing that people care about and it's very difficult to 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 spoof that knowledge um yeah or to care about it but if you're you know if, if you're coinbase for example if you're in america there's 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 just so much you have to deal with and even you find that coinbase is expanding to a bunch of countries and africa is clearly not a priority and all of these things make perfect business sense perfect sense from uh, a compliance standpoint for them so at the end of the day, you find that just just being in a different position, your your point of view, your starting point can can 
um, lead to immense differences in how things are made or how they work. And I think that's the fundamental difference. I'm, I'm building for here, I'm building for Africans and I'm building what they want. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think there's one question that we skipped, um, which is basically what is a cryptocurrency, right? So there's a lot of people who have been caring about Bitcoin. So I feel like there are, there are two demographics. There's um, the people who don't know what it is, and then there's the people who have a vague idea of it, but are very skeptical. So I would like you to address those two demographics. This is a question that I find, um, I kind of, I don't know if the word is struggle with this because I can adequately describe what it is in varying levels of technical speak. Um, but what it is to someone is kind of dependent on the, who they are. Like as a developer, if a developer asks me what is Bitcoin from like a software point of view, I know, I know what to tell them. Uh, but for most people anyway, um, Bitcoin is an alternate form of money. And there's so much more detail that I think that this is the perfect opportunity to uh, plug my book. Um, me and a bunch of other experts in the field, seven other people from all over the world, um, got together and wrote a very simple introduction to Bitcoin, you know, why it's important, how, how it works without a lot of technical speak. And it's called The Little Bitcoin Book. And it's available on Amazon worldwide, at least the places Amazon um, ships books to. And also the ebook is available. So I, I feel like that is the answer to that question. If you, if anyone wants to know what Timmy's answer to that question is, then they should probably pick up a copy of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do you do you tackle blockchain in, in your book? Um, we, we mentioned it um, briefly. Basically, we we talk about how the we think that the best application for the blockchain is currency. Um, save a few, a few efforts. Um, yeah, we 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 do mention that, and we do kind of talk about, you know, it being a decentralized ledger. So there's enough preliminary, I think, um, talk about it in the book that should make things clearer. But how would you define blockchain to a software developer? I would say it's um, a technology that allows for immutable, trustworthy storage of information in a way that it's not one person's responsibility. Um, yeah. So with something like Postgres or like um, a MongoDB um, instance or server, access to it is controlled by, um, I guess, the administrator, the root user, for example. And the, the that, that, that entity is responsible for the resources to keep it alive. So um, computing resources, that entity is responsible for um, data entry and keeping the data um, true. But the blockchain is a way to kind of remove those responsibilities and those, I guess, vulnerabilities if, if, if those characteristics are important, right? So the resources that power a blockchain aren't one, one entity. It's just whoever wants to gain from it um, contributes to it. And the entry and the validation of data is done by everyone who is participating in that network. So that's kind of how I would describe it. Without saying the word decentralized. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and I guess one of the, apart from decentralization, the other key word there is immutability, right? So nobody can wake up one day and edit a transaction that happened last year, or even a transaction that happened right now. At least as, as long as it's already recorded on the ledger, it's very difficult to, yeah, to edit it. All right, cool. So let's talk more about the startup itself. Uh, how did you come up with the idea? Yeah, I was, um, I coincidentally, the, the idea that popped up into my head was something else entirely. I took time off work to, to work on that and then got distracted. And three months later, we had what, what the first version of the solution I had in mind was, and which was called Bitcoin Africa at the time with a key. Um, but my initial foray into this field, uh, I've been hearing about Bitcoin for a while, uh, but I was very close-minded to it. I didn't get it. I, I was, I was like, what is, what's, what do you mean digital currency? I don't trust it. And that wasn't that was made worse by um, kind of how a lot of Nigerians heard about Bitcoin. Um, there was this Ponzi scheme called MMM, and yeah, it's just like a pyramid thing where people put money. It's supposed to multiply. So when I think banks made it difficult for that to happen, they started accepting um, donations or whatever through you know Bitcoin payments. So that's one of the first ways I heard I heard about it. And you know, branding is important. So because once something is associated with uh, another thing that you consider to be bad, it's very difficult to mentally separate those things. But my house, my my a friend of mine who is now a co-founder of Bitcoin uh talked about the lots so you know at least i was hearing something and then my he helped my housemate buy some ethereum about 600 dollars worth of ethereum and in a few months it became 30k or something and he bought a car and i drove the car and i was like okay i better be doing some research like um and you know my motivation of for the research wasn't Oh, I, I want to blue, which I mean, I do. Everyone wants to, but like it was uh, um, more. I need to understand how this is possible. I need to understand why this was possible. Uh, very importantly for me, from a technical point of point of view. And then I, I got really deep into it, and I started realizing that it, it would be a great way to send money to that my friend in the US. Um, it was kind of the easiest, least stressful way um, to do that. Uh, also, when I, I picked up freelancing again, it was kind of the easiest way because when the first version of Bitcoin launched, I was still working. So it was the easiest way for me to get paid. I had clients in South Africa paying me in Bitcoin and some people in, um, I can't remember the country, but somewhere in Europe paying me in Ethereum. Uh, yeah, so I quickly realized that that's one of the great use cases for this. Um, and then I didn't, I didn't enjoy my first experience with buying it. Um, it wasn't local Bitcoin. And, Local Bitcoins works for exactly what it is for. It's a peer-to-peer -peer exchange that let, you have to wait for someone to um, engage you. And there's a bit of back and forth and there's a bit of delay. And I, I, I guess I'm impatient. And I was just like, why can't I just click and buy? Like, what, what is going on? Why, why, why does it take an hour? This is something that is digital. Even physical things in the US, you can do um, Amazon Prime now. Amazon has a service where you can order something and get it in two hours, right? So it's like, how can something that is inherently digital take so long to purchase? And I was like, yeah, I can definitely solve this. This easy peasy. It wasn't. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of what motivated me. I didn't initially think that it was going to be the thing I would be pretty much working on full time. Like I didn't. I, I wasn't thinking big. I wasn't thinking company. 
uh, but but that happened quickly immediately after the first thing launched and people were using it and i saw just how how far we were from kind of my vision and you know i started seeing my vision started becoming bigger and i realized that this was very important and i'm i'm i should do it yeah wait so, so you launched you launched on mvp and then you saw the traction that's when you decided that this could be a business um yeah so the thing is primarily i do things for myself uh so i was building it and i realized i mean there was traction um it's very hard to connect to how the traction made me feel then because it seems so small in retrospect but just the gaps and the gaps that we were still left to be filled and kind of the potential and the the value it could bring became more apparent to me after the first version and after people used it because it was very fascinating to me like why are you using this why what do you you know what do you use bitcoin for what, what is going on and then asking those questions opened up more just immediately i could see that there were years of work ahead um yeah so traction two was a factor cool um so you guys got into y combinator yeah Congratulations, and I know I'm a few months late, or, or even a year yeah, late. Yeah, you guys yeah. were in the batch of 2018. Yeah, it's about a year late. <laughs> so how did that impact your growth as a business? I think in, in terms of framing our minds or beating, um, in terms of framing our minds and kind of forcing specific mental models of thinking as to how to build, YC was very crucial. Um, there are things that seem obvious, um, but very difficult to kind of notice or implement when you're right in the thick of whatever situation. And YC was a great way to reinforce some of these things. And, and these things actually stem from a very fundamental place of caring about building something people want. Kind of the way they see things, maybe things around um, making changes to your product, changing your entire product, all of those um, helped us move from what we had to kind of what we have now. And also YC was YC has, as anyone can imagine, a great network. So in terms of investment and certain intros, because you know, as you as you grow grow and you do anything that involves pretty much any industry, not just finance, um, you need to have some kind of partnerships in, in the brick and mortar world. And that was that was pretty useful. Um if I were to be um extremely empirical about it i would say yc acted like a kind of um speed enhancer like things that would have taken yeah things that would have taken time for me to figure out um i guess um connections that would have taken years um were kind of boiled and squeezed into a four month period uh, that is that is useful because everyone wants to do things faster and you never know if you you would survive long enough to learn those lessons. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Yeah. What, what would you say is the most important piece of advice that you received while you were at YC? Basically, if you if you have if you've gotten to the stage where you have something that people are using in some capacity, um, talk to them. Just talk to your users and ask them. Sometimes users don't know what they want, but they can show you. And a lot of the time, people who make things are too they're too um, attached to what they've currently made or what their vision was. And it kind of blinds them in from the information that the users are freely giving you. In fact, it might not be freely, they're giving you and paying you 
like, oh, we kind of like this, but, um, and, and this is something that wasn't just reinforced from um, the sessions we had where people were saying, oh, you should talk to your users. This is something from, from that every notable founder that I heard speak, people as big as Airbnb founders, Coinbase founders, every single one of them said, we spoke to the users, we flew out to where the users were, we watched them use the product, we refined it, and we kept doing that, and we do that today. And, and, and that is, sounds obvious, but you know, there, there are many parts, parts of that where you can make a mistake, you can misread the information the users are giving you, or you can be too attached to your current, um, users might be give, telling you bad news, that this doesn't work, and you might not want to see that. So with Bitcoins Africa, where are you right now as a business and what is your future like? What do you envision uh, Bitcoins Africa like in two years, in five years? When you ask where are we, do you mean like metrics wise? In terms of numbers and metrics, yeah, yeah, anything that you can share. I know as a startup, you can't share everything, but I saw you tweeted some numbers a, few, uh, a while ago. Um, so, I mean, we've been, our, our transaction, the amount of uh, total volume of trades we've processed since, um, the launch of Bycoins, which uh, was around uh, this time last year, July last year, has grown um, about 30% every quarter. And now we process an average of $3 million a month. That's impressive. By, yes, compared to, I mean, the, the first, the MVP did 100,000 um, in a year. Now, now that happens every day. Because you rarely find someone, I mean, maybe it's my circles, but I, I don't know anybody in my circle who uses Bitcoin all the time. So to know that the actual people in Nigeria are transacting up to $3 million a month, that's that's really impressive. Yeah, um, there's 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 so much more demand. It's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's fascinating to me that Nigerians are doing this. I, I was blind, and now I can, now I can see. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's good. Pro the progress is good, obviously. My goals are so much more higher than that, um, um, but I, I I don't know how to put a time frame to kind of my vision. But beyond just being a place where people can buy and sell, Bitcoins will form a significant part of the infrastructure that moves Africa to a more open financial system, where the transfer of value within the continent um, and beyond, but more importantly, with the continent as the focal point, um, becomes as seamless, as fast, and as borderless as it can possibly be. And obviously we believe that um, Bitcoin and some of the technology will will get us there. So we, we will be a huge a huge part of their infrastructure. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my vision. Cool, so it may not seem obvious now, but in your mind, in a few years, you should be competing with uh, Flutterwave and the Paystacks. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's it's uh, competition, because at the end, it's possible. It's possible. I, I, that, that sounds like fun. Um, but uh, there there are many ways this can work, and there and there are many levels of infrastructure, right? So, yeah, and and obviously, you know what what companies do is that they they. They pick one, but they also experiment with the other levels of abstraction. So th those are things I have some concrete ideas, but like I, I'm not I'm not really attached to any particular way of doing things. So if yeah, if competition works, 
sign me up. <laughs> yeah. So you tweeted some time ago that you're getting your, you're trying to get your parents to trade on Bitcoins Africa. How is that going? Um, I tweeted that my dad trades. Um, he. Oh, he trades already. Yeah, he's what um I, I found out today from someone who um works at Bitcoins. He's a specific kind of trader that um. Give me one second. Let me pull that up. I didn't realize the, the term for him, but yeah, he he trades. He he buys when the price drops. He waits, no matter how long, and he sells. And he has done that a few times now. And uh, yeah, he's pretty. He's, he's happy about it. He went from uh, saying this thing you are doing is gambling. There's no, I don't understand it, to just buying in supports. And then now he's he's been monitoring the prices all by himself i i hear things like oh your dad bought bitcoin yesterday and i'm like oh cool <laughs> it's 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 a good feeling honestly yeah so as a as a software engineer i am a bit curious about your stack at bitcoins africa what's your technology stack what's your database your whatever framework you're using for the core uh backend service is my favorite it's built with my favorite thing of all time rails um so it's rails uh postgres graphql the holy grail <laughs> I love GraphQL so much. Everything, all of that is on Heroku. DB is Postgres. Um, but we have some services. Um, um, and, and these services are very um, blockchain. They, they, they are the ones that kind of handle the more Bitcoin, Ethereum type things, right? The, mm -hmm. the Rails part is pretty much a straightforward web app, right? That talks to some of all this. Yeah, it's a straightforward service, I think, that kind of has all these crypto things abstracted from it. And those are built in Node, uh, Node and Mongo. Uh, most of them are on Heroku. We have one service that's on AWS um, because we we needed that. Uh, yeah, the front end is uh, Ionic, Angular, or I think it's the number they're on right now. Yeah, so um, we build once and deploy everywhere. Nice. And you chose Heroku particularly so you wouldn't have to worry about DevOps and all of that, right? There's nothing I love more than a tool that makes me not that, that makes me not understand how it works. Like I, I don't I don't want to know. And I know everyone says, Oh, you grew to the size where Heroku and I, I, I kind of doubt that because DevOps is costly. Mistakes are costly. Heroku is a um tool that is dedicated to that problem, right? And I'm just going to let them do their thing. Uh, uh, I, I was at the Heroku office sometime last year and I just, I felt more in love. I, I, I it's magic. I, I never want to leave. Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth the money because, um, I know, I know a lot of big companies that are still using Heroku because the, the, the amount of effort that it takes to hire DevOps people and all of that, sometimes it's more than if you were running on Heroku. So it makes business sense for a lot of people. Yeah, it does. It does. And the, the kind of skill that you have to get to, to even worry about for you to be saving the kind of money that would be significant by hiring DevOps is, is a large skill. Um, it's very large skill. And maybe you already feel like you kind of have some of the talent. It, it, it's not something I think most people should consider at the beginning. You, you want to do what you can to get your thing out there as fast as possible. And you want to minimize the just the things you have to worry about. And that is kind of the way I treat pretty much everything. I, I love abstracting things. Cool. So aside GraphQL, is there any other technology that you've come across recently that you're really excited about? Um, I mean, the blockchain. Well, know. that's part of your job, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anything, yeah. anything but like in that. a very crypto, when I, when I say I'm excited about the blockchain, um, I, I always like to add that 
I'm less excited about all the other purported applications of the blockchain. I'm, I'm only, for the most part, excited about currency. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, for now, anyway. Yeah. But recently, I, I've been I've been using my side eye to look at GraphDBs, Neo4j. Um, that it's definitely a different way to think about things. It's, it's yeah. And um, what application do you see for something like Neo Neo4j? I think the um, it does seem like you can build everything with it. Uh, it's just a different way to see your data. Um, but some of the examples they use is always something social, like, and that example is perfect. The perfect example um, for just um, understanding how Neo4j makes it easier to describe relationships and actions. Um, so that works. Uh, also, I, I've been more on the blockchain side of things. You know, I, I've had to learn Solidity and the, how the Ethereum virtual machine works, smart contracts and all of that. So that's pretty exciting. Could you explain what, what Solidity is for people who don't know? Oh, it's the programming language um, you use to write smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain. I feel like the explanation raises more questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and all of that. And also Elixir and Phoenix is very exciting. I feel like if we, if we ever um, hit the kind, the, which I doubt, the, the kind of scaling issues that would require a complete rewrite, then Elixir would be where I'd go. Yeah, that's something I'm noticing. Like, so a lot of uh, Elixir developers are former Ruby developers. Is that because the syntax is very similar? I think the, the point of the point of Elixir and Phoenix, the framework, at least I know about Phoenix. It, it it seems like the motivation was let us make something that has all the awesomeness of Ruby and Rails, but better, right? So, um, yeah, I think that a big part of the motivation for the language and the framework is that it is to be Ruby-like. Yeah, and then there's there's good reason for that. Ruby can be fantastic. All languages can be fantastic, except PHP. Uh, that was a joke. I, actually, JavaScript annoys me more than anything else. But I'm, I love it. I'm really good at it. But it's just a very weird language, uh, especially if you're coming from an OOP, very uh, strongly typed uh, background. You just like, why? <laughs> I feel like every every dynamic language goes through that phase where. It's, it, it launches, it's dynamic, everybody loves it, but then the community realizes at some point that we actually need types, that types are awesome. And then you see stuff like <laughs> TypeScript. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, even Ruby will be getting some kind of typing soon. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, that's that's the thing I like about, uh, would I say extremists anyway, but like people who take a certain kind of paradigm and just go to the extreme of it, they're useful in the sense that we will never get the best parts of those paradigms, if people do not blindly believe in them, you know, if people do not blindly believe in decentralization or functional programming or dynamic programming, we will not have kind of the middle ground or just the best, the best parts of that paradigm. We, we wouldn't have that. So I think it's useful to chase down those rabbit holes a lot of the time. Cool. Uh, let me ask you, what do you do when you're not writing software and when you're not running your startup? I actually do write software a lot less these days, which hurts, but um, I guess you asking what I do when I'm not working. When you're not working, yeah. What do you do for fun to relax? I drink a lot of alcohol. Um, yeah. in, in good company, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, also while working, but don't tell, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, I, I read. Um, I used to read a lot, much less these days. But I read. Uh, I don't do much TV. Uh, I, I try to make time to work out, draw. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I can party. I can I can I can party for, for yeah. a while. And Lagos and Lagos is the place. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I hear the party scene over there is crazy. Any video games? Yeah, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm. It's just much less these days. I, I've still been struggling with um, the new God of War. I just, I just started myself. It's been a year. I've been, I've been playing like what thirty minutes a week, which is like young TV would be so sad. Uh, but the the the, the Spider Man that came out, um, it came out on my birthday last year. That was fun. I I blazed through that. That was pretty fun. I I love video games. It's just time, man. Did you play the update? The expansion. The expansion, yeah. Not yeah. Not yet. yeah. One by one. I, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've told myself I'm not going. I'm not allowed to buy any new games until I finish God of War. So I haven't bought Red Dead Redemption Two, um, which is crazy. I hear. I'm trying to avoid any GTA-like game because I wouldn't work if I get that. I've actually uninstalled GTA. Yeah, I haven't finished GTA Five either. It's on my. It's on my list. It's just a rabbit hole. There's so much. So much fun. <laughs> yeah. You just wake up three years later and realize you haven't even completed the mission in the game. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting to, towards the end of the interview. Is there anything that you want to plug? Feel free to remind people of your book. Um, anything else you want to, any message or any product you want to plug? Yeah. This is your time. Uh, besides the book, uh, which I think everyone should, I genuinely think everyone should read. Um, if you have a, if you just have an interest into how money, current money works and why there are issues with that and the best the best solution we have the best solution mankind has to, to solve those issues um it's it's worth reading and and if you're someone who likes to know what's, what's happening with the world uh it's very difficult in the digital era to ignore the word bitcoin so people should definitely um read the little bitcoin book and besides that there's really nothing to plug uh i'm assuming that um your reader I and mean, your listeners are mostly um developers and i guess the only thing i ever have to say to to i guess us is just keep building things uh, that just keep just keep doing it and it's a never-ending learning process and it's very rewarding so just just keep building yeah yeah as a friend of mine likes to say there's no substitute for writing code yeah nothing cool timmy thanks a lot for coming on the show yeah thanks for having me this was another episode of the African Developers Podcast. If you enjoyed it and would like to hear more, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. We are available on Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and every other podcasting app out there. For any feedback or comment, you can reach us on Twitter at AfroDevPodcast.